When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome into Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty to get into. Some thoughts on the contract details for Scott Frost. That was released a little earlier today. Great write-up by Aaron Sorensen from HaleVarsity.com. So head there if you want to find out all the particulars that we were able to get. Husker basketball back out of the PBA tonight. Will they be gritty and tough and physical and rebound? We'll hear from the mayor, Fred Hoiberg, his presser yesterday. We were a little busy with Lars and company, so we didn't quite get to a ton of hoops yesterday. But uh, Big Red back in action at uh, Pinnacle Bank tonight, 730 BTN+. Plus. We'll be down at the single barrel for select uh, Real Red tip-off shows Uh, Leading into Nebraska basketball this season, Creighton is our first road show ahead of Nebraska basketball. So make a point Tuesday to get down, have a steak, have a whiskey, and uh, then head to PBA. Join us ahead of Nebraska Creighton, and we'll be there for much of the who's who of the Big Ten that come to Lincoln. Numbers to get in can join us at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825. 5865. An interesting email to get to here in a little bit about why performance has maybe been off for Nebraska football. Uh, we'll dive into some NFL as well. The Friday forecast with Clausburn coming up after 5.30. And the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, in one hour. Hoops expert, Jacob Padilla, going to be with us at 4.25. You can email Chris at Hale Varsity. Dot com, And uh, interesting uh, emails and pictures sent in by two loyal listeners, Bert and Nick, uh, have had the day off. So they've been day drinking mm. and they've been rubbing it in. And they're of sound body and mind. They've just been enjoying a, a spirit or two. That's okay. They've been listening to the song. It's five o'clock somewhere. Right, right. Just living it up. And, and their and their five o'clock started at noon <laughs> today. So I gotta start off with this email sent by Sean. And Sean, appreciate you listening here. So he says, Mr. Schmidt. I haven't been called Mr. Schmidt since I was student teaching Willie J at Lux Middle <laughs> School several years ago. Uh, Willie J was very respectful. God love, God love him. Hate to even go here, but if you had any one mention besides me, maybe some players might be shaving points, aka throwing games. I wouldn't think so, but all those close games 
and the way they find a way to give them away, all those games Nebraska has been underdogged in for the most part. So you'd be going against your cause. <laughs> right? Your, your best bet's to go bet on yourself and go win the game. Right, so. right. And, and, and no, I think with NIL, I think with all the things that are available to student athletes, I don't, listen, I don't know, dude. I haven't, I, I've not run a gambling ring before and I'm not being smart, Alex, Sean. I just, I don't think it can happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in some spots. I just don't think it is as prevalent as, Maybe 10 to 15 years ago. Maybe I'm stupid and naive. I don't know. We've had Michael Franzese on the show 100 times. He's the king, was the king, a, a walking in to a seedy nightclub and putting 10 grand on in an envelope on the table with a pl- to, a, to a, a basketball or, or football player. I mean, he was well-versed in the, the Boston College scandal that took down uh, all the folks in Goodfellas. That wasn't a cocaine bust. That was a Boston College point-shaving scandal, right? And, and you had uh, an ESPN 30 for 30 on it, like three, four, five years ago. I don't know. We might find a, a, a Michael Franzese bit on, on gambling. But right now, I mean, it's it's going to be legal in the state of Nebraska. It is legal in Iowa. We can go across the bridge. We've done shows from the sports book, and you can get an app. So I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I just think they've been bad under pressure situations because they don't win and haven't won. So it gets in between their ears, and they don't execute in big moments. That's my take. That's my take on it. It's got nothing to do with paying uh, Elijah's buddy down the hall in <laughs> one of the dorms. We Everybody had that guy in the corner dorm room, didn't you? The guy who maybe uh, was, was fond of plant life and would take a wager or two. See, now it's the, uh, the business management major, the guy who wants to go into accounting and decides to, uh, to go start his own little ring. Sure. They, they got the little apps now. makes well, it a lot easier for everyone. You're, you're still in college. You know a guy who knows a guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, a couple guys who know a couple guys. <laughs> <laughs> One might be living in the basement. <laughs> but uh, even more recently than that uh, that 30 for 30, there was a, a Netflix documentary released. It's a docuseries called Bad Sport. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there's an episode in there detailing the Arizona State point shaving scandal, which is a really good episode. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was like Mario Bennett was their stud NBA lottery pick. It's about 25 years ago, yep. 94, 95-ish. Exactly. They were, they were a, a three seed. And and they just faded. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we now know why this, this documentary talks to Bennett, and then it also talks to uh, his connection, who was in Chicago, but then would take all these trips to Vegas once he got the end on the Arizona State basketball team. And basically, the 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 point they're making is it's a lot easier to point shave whenever you're the better team and you're winning games because the point of point shaving is you still win, but you just you don't cover. You shave the points. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so. Don't win by the number. Don't win by the number. It's a free throw. So it's it's much more difficult in this scenario for Nebraska to be point shaving if they're losing the games. That's that that, that makes the whole objective of point shaving difficult whenever you're not the better team because then you can't really control the result. Speaking of betting, and we know Scott Frost bet on himself by taking the uh, the the pay cut, right? And uh, you have info revealed here with. Trev Alberts and Scott Frost and the contract details. So this is what 
can happen for Scott Frost. Frost has a chance to vault his pay up again with a strong 2022, but there's a key buyout date and change. So this is what's going on. And and we don't know the specific metrics, but there's a mutually agreed upon metric here for 2022. And the the buyout for Frost is reduced to $2.5 million uh, for for each contract for for each year on on the contract, if Frost is fired after October first of twenty twenty two, let's go through the whole thing for you. So Nebraska is and and Frost moving down in salary for twenty twenty two. His base is going to be four million instead of the agreed upon five million. His buyout number going in half from 15 to 7.5 million. You heard Trev say that on the network on on Monday. So starting uh, uh, starting October 1st of next year, so that that number goes from 15 to 7.5 on October 1st. So Frost's new contract allows him an opportunity to get back to $5 million a year starting in 2023 and uh those, if those agreed upon metrics are met, which aren't within the contract, Frost's contract would also be extended a year. So, say you 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 do well to keep your gig here in 2022, everyone's happy. You're you're at eight or nine wins, and you're bowling, and everyone's smiling. Right? Way, way to go, Trev. Way to go, Scott. Well, in in 2023, then your contract bumps up to five. You get that million dollar bump back to your your whole again and then you're extended a year which is nice at that five million dollar number um so when it comes to the buyout this change on october 1st and reduction is 7.5 million dollars right so in the contract at the university should terminate scott frost's employment as head coach between october 1st 2022 and december 31st 2022 for reasons other than cause, the university shall pay Coach Frost as liquidated damages the following amounts, $2.5 million on a prorated basis for each remaining year. That's where you get the $7.5 million, uh, all the way through uh, December 31st of, of 2026. If Frost is fired before October 1st, the university's on the hook for all $15 million. That's five million for 2023, 2024, and the number shrinking to 2.5 million in uh, 2025 and 2026. So pretty much, Trev has said, "Brother, you got six games to kind of prove it to me. Show me what you've done. Show me the changes. Let me know how, th- with proof in performance, how things are going. And your first six are doable. You're at Dublin." against Northwestern, North Dakota, Clay Helton and Georgia Southern. OU comes to town. You're at Rutgers, then you have Indiana. There's your bye. You'll blow by that October 1st date, and there you go. Is is the bye week before or after October 1st? The bye week is after Indiana. I think Indiana is at October 1st date. Okay, so then you have the bye week. Okay, to, that, that makes to, sense. To either move on. Listen, and, and let's talk about what metrics 
have been spoken of between Scott and Trev. We don't know. Scott has a win total in his mind, absolutely. Trev has a win total, but more so with Trev, it's about what it looks like. What's the football team look like? Are you still putting up a boatload of yards, but not a boatload of points? What's your defense going to be? And are you truly coaching all aspects of the football team? Is special teams better? Do you find and, and, and get reliable specialists? Is your quarterback play less erratic? More importantly, is your O-line play less erratic to allow a run game and sound quarterback play? I mean, all that needs to, to be fixed and figured out uh, from now through October 1st of 2022. Uh, the way I see it, you would need to have, I mean, Scott would probably, to feel safe, would want to have a 5-1 and one record to feel safe. 4-2 and two is probably safe, but you never know. That kind of comes down to how it looks. If it's 4-2 and two with four really close wins against some teams that shouldn't be competing with you, then... Hey, if, listen, if, if, they're, if they're close wins versus close losses... You'll you'll take it. That's progress. So you think four and two through those first six will probably keep him safe as well? Can I just be honest? Because I, I think five and one is a, five is and a great five, record. Five and one is what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think you you pop him if he's at four and two, but you can't start next year like you started this year. You just can't. You had I had a lot of opportunities, and you were able to go toe to toe. You just couldn't finish. That's your job as head coach now is to figure out how these guys can finish on offense, at end of games, in critical specialist moments when it comes down to a field goal in the red zone. Ideally, you're not kicking. Uh, You're scoring seven, not three, right? And uh, you're figuring out a way to get short yardage first downs uh, with someone other than a quarterback, Right? You're better on the offensive line, so you can run the football when they know you're going to run it. Not running it when they're not sure what you're going to do. Right, So this is very fair. This is well thought out. This is mapped out. And it's, it's a proving ground. And I'm all for it. I think it's, it's great work by Trev Alberts to cover what was going to be a brutal buyout. And... <laughs> If, if, if for some reason they're sitting at two and four, say they have like a mirrored season against a, a worse schedule next year, you, you probably make a change in season and you, you, you appoint a, an interim coach. That's, that's just where it goes. And something's got to be pretty drastic to, to pull the trigger and let him walk away with $15 million before that October 1st date. I mean, if you're winless, so what? Let him get to that October 1st date and give him his 7.5 opposed to his 15. I think they're going to really hit the portal hard. I think once he figures out and, and or makes the announcement of the offensive coordinator, the OC's got to be able to make hires with his vision for offense that's got Scott and Trev's blessing, okay? This is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. This is what can match to our personnel. And this is why it'll be better. This, will, this is why it's going to be more efficient. And, and let's, let's, let's coach up the kids we have in the quarterback room because Harburg's a big, strong, talented dude. 
Looks like a quarterback. Looks like a quarterback. Smothers, keep working on, on his passing acumen and, and let him go be a gamer because he's not been nervous or scared in the few moments we've seen him. How does that translate into third and eight passing? I don't know, but that's, that's what you got to do. And then go find a couple of dudes. Go find a couple of dudes in the portal at quarterback and, and let the competition begin and find somebody that can really groom uh, backups and, and your starter with an offense that can all mesh together again with the personnel you have because that's the what you can't have is a, a Joe Daly situation or a Tommy Armstrong situation. And that's not a knock on either of those kids, but it was just different offenses they were running versus what they were brought in to run. So we'll see. Jacob Badilla's on deck. Get his take on Husker hoops, some volleyball, and some big red football. It's a Friday Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Jacob Padilla with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore his podcast, uh, Nebraska Shootaround Pod. You uh, can get that on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes as he talks all things hoops. Jacob also does a great job of covering Big Red Volleyball and some football thoughts as well with his padding the stats column. Jacob, a busy b- uh, night of ball, man. Volleyball, Husker Hoops. And, of course, high school football uh, semis going on. How are you doing? <laughs> I'd be doing better if all that wasn't going on at the same time. <laughs> I know you are. So so are you just going to d- divide yourself into three beings tonight? How are, how are we going to shake this out? That would be nice. Um, actually, could split up a few few different places. I'd like to see both those Class A semis. But, no, I'm, I'm, I just hopped on I-80. I'm heading down to Lincoln now. I'm going to check out uh, at least – a set or two of the uh, the volleyball match against Maryland tonight, and then I'm going to skip over to Pinnacle uh, Bank Arena to catch the basketball game against Sam Houston. And uh, Brandon Vogel is going to take over, uh, finishing up that volleyball game uh, and having our coverage on that one. Well, good enough, And man. Greg Smith is out. Uh, uh, he'll be at a football semi, I believe, one of the Class A ones. Well, did, did we all get Greg the old Hale Varsity parka? It's not cool outside, <laughs> man. Yeah, I, that's that's the one like uh, kind of reassuring part about this. It's like, yeah, I'd really like to be at those games, but at least I have an excuse now not to go stand out in 30-degree temperatures. Well, you, your Packer uh, winter coat, dude, is I, I would think you can survive the Arctic with that thing uh, when it comes to keeping <laughs> you warm. So does Nebraska survive tonight? Let's talk basketball on the glass. Was the message, I'm sure it was sent, do you think it's been received to be better on the glass tonight for, for Fred's kids? Yeah, this I actually think we're going to learn a lot from uh, this second game, much more than you typically do against uh, an early season bye game. We saw our exhibition game giving up offensive rebounds was a bit of a problem, but because they did a lot of other things well enough that the, the score was never in doubt, uh, it, it didn't really cost them as well. So you can be a little bit lazier. You can maybe not think, like, all right, uh, this is costing us. That wasn't the case in the season opener. It absolutely played a huge part in costing them that game. So in, in watching back, I, I rewatched the game and charted all the offensive rebounds they gave up. And there was some there where it was just kind of a bad bounce for them, uh, some bad luck, really great play by the offense. But a lot of them 
was simply guys not doing their jobs, not putting in the extra effort to get in position to fight, uh, to, um, to, to go get the ball. And it was almost everybody on the team. I mean, Derek Walker uh, held, held his ground, and most of the time he was the guy stepping over and help. So it, you can't really go contest a shot and then be there uh, on, on the backside to, to grab the board. So it's on those guys dropping down. It's on the guards rotating, helping the helper. It's on C.J. Wilcher and Bryce McGowan and Trey McGowan uh, and all those guys that uh, were in position there at times uh, and didn't quite uh, do the job. So if I think a lot of that is correctable. Um, to a certain degree, rebounding is an inherent talent. There, there's some, obviously, some effort things with that, but and there's also some feel things and some physical traits that certainly help you in that area. But a, a lot of what costs Nebraska is something that they can control from that first game. So if they come out and give up a bunch more offensive rebounds and it really hurts them tonight, then that points to a long-term, uh, long-term problem because you're like, well, if a loss to uh, a low major team wasn't enough to kind of wake you guys up and convince you that, hey, I need to put in the extra effort here, then what will? So I think we're going to learn a lot tonight because I do think – uh, a, a lot of it was controllable, and now it's up to Nebraska and those guys whether they're willing to, to put in that extra effort. Jacob Bedell is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking some Husker hoops. And, and Jacob, you can kind of tell on Tuesday night that Husker team seemed a little out of sync from the jump. So what are some things to watch for in the first five, ten minutes of the game tonight to, to see if we're going to have a, a better version of this Husker team showing up to play against Sam Houston? Sharing the ball, uh, a few passes would probably uh, be one thing I'll be watching for. Um, I, I also charted all the offensive possessions, uh, and about 70% of their possessions uh, in that game included one or zero passes. And that's just not going to get it, especially with the way they were playing. They've got some guys that are certainly very capable of making plays and taking advantage of mismatches, but... Uh, in that game, they just weren't hitting the shots at a high enough rate to, for that to be an effective game plan. And so they've got to be a little bit more patient. Obviously, Fred Hoiberg's system, he wants you to run. He wants you to, to, to take the shot if it's there. He obviously part of the, the recruiting pitch to bring Bryce McGowan to this in was, hey, we're, we're going to give you a chance to uh, kind of show your whole arsenal and what you're capable of doing. Uh, so th- there's going to be some give and take there, but there's got to be a much better balance between keeping other guys involved, moving the ball, and then maybe you, you try to attack that mismatch a little bit later on in the possession if you haven't uh, produced anything earlier on. So I, uh, I was, did not, uh, was not watching uh, the Sam Houston season opener against uh, Leigh Turneau, who is a Division Three team. So I don't know exactly what, uh, what they're doing defensively. So we'll have to see kind of what their game plan is because Western Illinois' kind of which one through five uh, strategy is kind of what led Nebraska to falling into the trap of playing so much iso ball and so much mismatch hunting. And it wasn't so much hunting. It was like we got a mismatch right away and I'm going to attack it. And they didn't always win those matchups, but at least, at least not at a high enough rate. So um, sharing the ball, keeping other guys involved, and, and making shots too. I think that's a big part of it. You didn't get a whole lot from the shooters, and that was a huge part of this offseason, and bringing guys in here to shoot the ball. And K-State Tomonaga was one of five. He's the first one, kind of a pull-up three in transition. Every other shot after that, I thought, was, was pretty forced. And, uh, 
T.J. Wiltshire only got four uh, four looks up, went two of four, and, and that was it. Um, and Keon Edwards didn't get a shot up, I don't think. So um, you brought in guys to be shooters, so you got to keep those guys involved, let them touch the ball in the course of the possession so they are ready to knock down those shots when teams collapse. Jacob, do you worry about that? I mean, is is important and talented as Bryce is and, and, and Verge is, do you worry about the, them sharing the ball or, or just trying to do too much, or do you think do you think uh, do you think yeah. last uh, do you think Wednesday was a was a stern enough lesson to to maybe kind of all right? There's proof. Here's what happens when we don't share and the shots aren't falling. Yeah, Verge much more than Bryce. I think Bryce's that was Bryce's first real collegiate game, and uh, I think he was trying to figure out all right. Uh, what can I do? What can I not do? Again, he's trying to go make a play for his team. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's going to be some growing pains there. Fred Orberg has said as much, but um, you, you can also see a town. He got to the free throw line 12 times. He uh, scored 25 points in his season debut. It took him a lot of shots to get there, but um, I think the three ball will come around a little bit. So I, I, I think uh, Hill, uh, that was typical like freshman first game for a talented kid. Burge, this is his fifth year of college basketball. That's two years Juco, two years Arizona State. So he's been a lot of places. He's, he's experienced different things. And I, I wouldn't, I, I was uh, dubious when um, they, when they added him at the transfer. I, I didn't love the fit because of the way he had played at Arizona State. And you can talk yourself into part, part of that was kind of the, the personnel around him and sharing the ball with uh, uh, Remy Martin. It, it can't be easy for another guy who likes to, to dribble the ball and make plays. Um, so when you saw the exhibition, you're like, all right, this is, this is what they need. This guy that's uh, making plays for others as well as uh, kind of uh, showing his quickness and breaking defenses down himself. There was much more Arizona State uh, verge in that first game than we saw at the exhibition. And so I think that's, that's a little worrisome, again, that a fifth-year guard wasn't able to uh, adjust as the game went on and realize, all right, this isn't working. i got to try something a little different. As um, we talked about in the preseason, I think he's the guy that is going to set the, the floor for this team uh, based on his decision-making and uh, the way he plays. And uh, Obviously, the floor was pretty darn low in the season opener. Jake, I'm going to switch to, to high school basket uh, football. High school football. Um, and we'll get the basketball here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, no kidding. Back be, to starting I, next week. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Your take here. What do you What do you think shakes out here with Bell West and Westside tonight? Man, I I uh, so I, I last saw. Uh, I haven't seen either of these teams for a while. Really, I saw Bell uh, Westside against Grand Island, and that was the game where they kind of officially went all in on the quarterback change and gave Anthony Rezac a chance to, to take over and run that show. Um, and I haven't seen W. West in a while either. Um, so obviously I, I, I know all the pieces there. I know what they're capable of. I think this – I really wish I could be there tonight. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. You've got athletes all over the place. You've got weapons on uh, both sides of the field. That's going to be tough. Uh, I think both teams are going to be able to run the ball pretty well. Um, with Dominic Rizak for Westside and LJ Richardson for, for Bellevue West. Those are arguably the two best backs in Class A. Um, there's some other guys that are obviously in the conversation, but um, those guys are two terrific football players. And it seems they're going to rely on them a lot. It very well might come down to quarterback play. 
And you've got the senior in Johansson who um, came up a little bit short in the playoffs last year, and that was a big part of what cost him. But he has been playing phenomenal football over the last second half of the season. And then you've got Rizak, who's a sophomore, who's been starting for half the year now uh, in his first real big-time game. So what's that going to look like? Uh, I think the, the team that plays – that makes the fewest mistakes uh, is going to be able to come out on top. I, I'm expecting it'll probably be pretty pretty high scoring. I know they've got some athletes on defense on both sides of the ball, but uh, both I think offensive schemes and offensive talent uh, are incredibly high as well. So it, I think it'll come down probably to maybe a, a turnover mm-hmm. here or there or a busted play here or there and a long touchdown, something like that uh, to, to determine that one. I think it's it's a pr- it's a pretty evenly matched game. The key is, I think, W. West is a little bit more experienced across the board. They've got a lot of upperclassmen, whereas Westside has sophomores uh, kind of all over the, the two deep on both sides of the ball. Jacob, about 30 seconds, not nearly enough time, but North and, and Gretna. Is Gretna just going to have too much? Do you think North keeps the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the run going? Uh, it's awfully windy out there tonight. I'm glad the snow died down a little bit, but... Uh, depending on how that wind goes, it could play into Omaha North hands. Mick Huber has had a, a great second half of the season. Uh, he's really tough back. Uh, but Tayshawn Porter has been phenomenal for North down the stretch. Um, so I, I, the wind could play a factor there. Um, I really was impressed by Gretna last week. But, man, I don't know. I haven't seen North play this year, but the run they're on right now, uh, it, it, it'd be hard to, to bet against them right now. Jacob Adela, HailVarsity.com and magazine, volleyball, Husker hoops, high school athletics, of course, big red football. Jacob, have a good weekend. Enjoy tonight. Thanks for a few minutes, bud. Yep, always fun talking to you guys. All right, there he is. Follow Jacob at uh, Jacob Badilla underscore on Twitter. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Great to have you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Check out the podcast daily. Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating, subscribe, good, bad, or ugly. Want to hear from you. Love your feedback, what you love, you hate, or you uh, tolerate. And you can uh, find that, again, Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes, Hale Varsity Radio. You can email the show, Chris. At HaleVarsity.com can dial us up. Open phones if you want to jump in uh, before the weekend uh, till 5 466 3776 or 800 825 5865. Bill Dolman in 25 minutes and then Clausburn with his forecast. Uh, email in from our buddy Greg. He was on the way to the Spartan game. Uh, if you remember, called us on the weekend edition, Saturday morning show, and uh, was gearing up, was going to the ball game with his dad, and he emails in, assistance, how is Frost going uh, to get good, going to get a good OC, as I try and read this, is Frost going to, how is Frost going to get a good OC, and others, when he's potentially a dead man walking? Schedule ain't easier when it's loaded with teams NU hasn't beaten consistently, right? Well, yeah. I mean, Nebraska, part of this vision, this plan is, is, to, be, is to be able to beat the Purdue's and the uh, Illinois pretty regularly, beat Minnesota, 
more times than not. Start beating Iowa. I mean, that, that's, that's the game plan, right? Uh, and they're probably always going to be tight games. But, but part of bringing in a different OC is going to be important. This is awesome. I'm excited to hear from this man. And we welcome in John Gingery, head coach of Lincoln East. Coach, thanks for calling, man. Good to hear from you. Hey, it's good to hear from you, Chris. I'm telling you. Listen to the show. Love it. Just want you to know I renegotiated my contract. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be making $40 a game next year <laughs> with a $25 payout. So if they find me out, that's where I'm going to sit. Coach, here's what you don't know. Uh, on behalf of all football fans in Lincoln and all high school coaches, you have a lifetime lifetime contract, my friend. We'll just work on that number, okay? Yeah, I wish I wish that were true, Chris. But uh, you know what? It's fun. I still enjoy it, and uh, it's great to work with the young kids. And after that offense you had this year, there's not going to be any restructuring of the offensive staff during the offseason, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, it'll be interesting, huh? Well, I, I only ask you. Let me ask you about about Noah and Malachi and uh, Stevens. I mean, I, we we love watching your kids play ball, uh, Coach Gingery, offense and defense. And I mean, just touch on Noah real quick. I know there's there's uh, more offers for him, which is great. That kid can play quarterback, and I can't wait to see what what's next for him. But just while we have you on, not to turn this into an interview, I just appreciate your phone call. But uh, just a thought on on Noah and, and what he's what he's been like to coach and been like to watch. Yeah, great kid, great talent. Uh, he makes me a lot smarter. Um, <laughs> this, this COVID year has been crazy, Chris. I bet. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches that just don't have that many scholarships, mm-hmm. and they don't know exactly what's going to happen with the kids in the portal. Uh, you know, they might have they might have nine scholarships and, and they don't want a quarterback. Um, I mean, he's got some, some great things going on. Um, you know, he's got an offer to walk on at Iowa State. Nebraska's offering him to walk on. And Wayne State wants him. Uh, Augustana wants him. And, and it's starting to pick up now. But I think a lot of people just don't know what they're going to have yet. So it's a, it's a longer process that way. Well, um, and you're right with not being able to, to see or scout in person. And, you know, Nebraska making the move to, to do the walk-on offer. But also, I mean, look at all the success Iowa State's had. I mean, look at look at all the big games they've won and, and their offense with, with Coach Campbell. I mean, that's, I know it's a walk-on and you want the scholarship, but that's, that's still pretty cool for him to, to have Iowa State knocking on his door. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's excited about that and excited about the Nebraska offer, and he's going to weigh out his options and see exactly what what happens. Um, I just think, as you said, I think if people could see him in, in person, I think if they take a look at his film, I think people are afraid that he's not six foot four. but you've seen him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid can throw the ball, and, and he can run, and I just chose not to run him too much because I didn't want him to get hurt. Mm-hmm. But he, he is a good runner. He's a good reader. He's smart. And uh, he's got a great talent. You know, and you put him with, with the kids that he had, with, with Malachi and Stevenson and, and Cooper Erickson, uh, it was just, just a great season. Well, it, it was incredible. And you're right about Noah, uh, his running ability. You'd call uh, a, a few quarterback-designed runs, and he'd just 
burst up the seam and he hit six gear in about two steps and 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 he never really took a shot. Malachi, I know he was up uh, seeing Coach Fleck last weekend, also in Wisconsin. I know Nebraska's in on him, uh, and you know Malachi, tell us a little bit about him and, and his backstory, if you could, Coach Gingery and Coach John Gingery's called in and joining us here on Hale Varsity. Malachi has been so special for you uh, with uh, just the the elite athleticism he has catching the football but he's been a demon for you off the edge with your defense yeah you know on both sides of the ball he's got great speed he's got great hands and he's a big target you know he's a little over six foot four and uh and he's gonna grow he's gonna get bigger and defensively he's got great speed coming off the edge and uh led our team in sacks this year just because he's just got a lot of talent and agility there so the kid can play both sides of the ball. You know, as you said, Minnesota, Nebraska, Kansas State, Wisconsin's on him. And I'm sure more schools will be coming in on him. And he's going to have to sit down and decide exactly what, uh, what he wants to do and which side of the ball he wants to play on. So that's just a nice option to have. Just a great town, great kid, very conscientious, um, very polite, dedicated, and he's a good teammate. So... He's a great asset for our team. John Gingery's joined us here on Hale Varsity, uh, touching on his Lincoln East Spartans, and uh, that we, we are going to double down and make sure that ink dries lifetime contract, Coach. Uh, <laughs> you got a thought on the semis tonight at all? You know what? I think uh, the uh, game with Bell West and West Side is going to be a great game. You know, we played West Side uh, last year in the playoffs. Two years ago, we played uh, Bell West. Both those teams are very talented. I think uh, experience-wise, uh, you might have to give the edge to Bellevue West. Never count out West. Mm-hmm. They're both coaches. They got great. They play great. We just ran out of gas and turned the ball over, but they're very, very talented. But, but all on North has done nothing but just win. They've gotten better uh, through the season. You know, not playing last year, I'm sure that had an impact on them the first four or five games of the season, but they've done enough to get better. You know, they went out more flat, beat more flat. I think uh, that's another great game. So, especially the Bulls and the wind's going to be blowing uh, the football team. Don't they should be interesting games on, on both sides. John Gingery. Coach, we'll, uh, we'll do this more often, and uh, I'll reach out to you, and it's fun to hear from you. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for, honestly, what you, you do with the kids, bud. Well, I appreciate you guys, and it's it's always fun to, to have you guys do our games, and, and we appreciate the uh, the opportunities you afford the kids. It's a lot to them. So well, keep up the good work, guys. Coach, you take care. There he is, John Gingery with us here on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. It was awesome to hear from Coach Gingery. Dial it up, the, uh, the old hotline. Appreciate him. And uh, always fun to... Cover East football, all the Lincoln schools, great stuff. So uh, we're uh, we're geared up for hoops. First part of December, man. Uh, locally here, ESPN Lincoln, and, and of course KFOR. Doug Duda does an amazing job for you out in uh, Central Nebraska, Carney, and uh, Hastings. And Duda's uh, got plenty of football coverage tonight. And then Gus and company up at uh, News Talk nine hundred. So all of our uh, friends that that we air on. Their stations, plenty of high school coverage, and going to be a lot of fun. And, and our old boy Sharpie's on the call tonight, TV-wise, for 
for that West Side Bell West game. What, what, is that on the, the Time Warner channel? Is that what it's on? What's it on? It, I think it's their version of, of Cox. I've got a link here. See, I, I found the, the YouTube link for the Omaha North and Gretna game, and I was looking for a link for the uh, the West Side and Bell West game. It's, it's somewhere on Twitter, mm. which I'll, I'll get to you. But I mean, those are going to be some fantastic games tonight. Yeah. No, it was... Um, you know, and East was totally right there. Mm. They they are, they were something to behold this year. But as, as much squad. as they throw the ball, I wonder what that East team but would look like the, on a night like tonight. Cold, windy. They can they can do it. I mean, they're balanced. Mm. They can do whatever the hell they want on offense. <laughs> I mean, honestly, oh darn, we have to run it now. <laughs> they could they could do that. So we'll uh, hear from Coach Hoyberg coming up here at five twenty five. The pride of Fairbury. Bill Dolman. Now, he may come pretty heated at us because this is the second time uh, this week he's going to be on the show. He was on Monday to react to uh, Coach Frost being retained and, and Trev Alberts. So, Bill Bill will no doubt want to renegotiate his deal. <laughs> it's all about negotiation Friday. Our old boy Seth from uh, Lazari's and the Bar the Bar. We're going to be at the Bar the Bar for Black Friday for a pregame, and for postgame for Real Red Reaction. Can't wait for that, the bar, the bar, and uh, excited. And, and Seth's a, a West Side guy, so he's he's giving me the, the old W. Not for Wisconsin, probably for a little cubby love, but yes, that, that West Side warrior. Reminder about buckling up here. It is windy. It is garbage outside, especially if you're hitting the interstate and you have a big vehicle. It's no bueno today. But uh, buckle up, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So we will uh, gear up. We'll get Bill Dolman's take on this uh, the specifics here with the contract. And uh, we will dive into the the metrics, right? Metrics means five and one by the bye week. It worst four and two, because here's what you got after the bye week. Ann Arbor, we're gonna be there for that one. Cranach and I are gonna start rowing sometime in August to get to Dublin, but we'll be in Ann Arbor next year. You host Minnesota in Lincoln. You go to Madison to start November. Wear your snowshoes. You have Purdue and Lincoln. Maybe Brom will be at Florida by then. And Purdue can go back to sucking. Uh, Illinois. And then you have Iowa. That's always fun. You load up with the pig farmer. And then you go get Iowa in Iowa City on a short week. That's 2022. Uh, hour two on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402 466 ESPN or 1 800 825 5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Nebraska, Sam Houston State, get rolling at 7.30. News on the specifics contract-wise with Scott Frost. We welcome in the pride of Fairbury, 
with NBC Sports. Bill Dolman joins us here to get our two going at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, how's the uh, the week been for you? Thanks for Monday. And uh, you're back with us on a Friday. Uh, are you two going to try and renegotiate your deal with us? Uh, that would be great. Um, I don't know where we go from zero, but nevertheless, uh, I'd be happy to renegotiate and uh, take whatever uh, you're willing to give me. Well, we will we will talk about it. So let's dive into this here with uh, with Coach Frost, uh, and and we spend time on on the retention side of things Monday. So let's dive into the 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 metric. They mutually agreed upon metric for 2022. Uh, that's not specifically been said from a win total. Trevza, what does it look like, guy? I get that completely. But right now, if if Frost is let go before October 1st of 2022, he gets the full $15 million, uh, to to go away. If he's let go after October 1st, that's where the 7.5 number is a reality. And to me, it pretty much says, look, you got six games next year to to get things in order uh, on top of the two you have to end the season uh, with some hires that, that still need to happen. But is that how you're looking at this as well? Well, you know, the, the October one date is something that stands out to me. I, uh, it, it, it would appear to me that that's the date that says if things aren't going well, we're going to do what has become the trend in college football. And that is we're going to uh, make a change in the middle of the season, and then we're going to move on. It's been done. USC did it this year. TCU did it a couple of weeks ago. Why would Gary Patterson? I don't know. Uh, you can throw the Washington State uh, thing into that mix, LSU, uh, Texas Tech. So I don't recall – a lot of changes, major changes like that in the middle of a season, like we're seeing this year. Um, so Nebraska setting itself up. If they need to make a move middle of 2022, then that's what's going to happen. Uh, I would think based on what you look at the schedule going into next year, it's entirely possible. Nebraska could be six and zero after its first six games. And that includes Oklahoma, Right. So it could be five and one, and I think if you're five and one in the first part of October or whatever that would be in the schedule, uh, you're probably going to retain your football coach, right? Um, so yeah, what are the metrics in terms of wins? Who knows? I, seven, eight, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just think Nebraska is looking at it. And I'm going back to what I said on Monday. If Nebraska makes a change right now, or in two weeks after the at the end of November. Look at all of the other programs in the country that, A, have an opening right now or probably have been setting the stage for the last couple of months, if not last month, that they are going to make a move at the end of the regular season, and they have already hit the ground running. Trev Alberts has been on the job since, what, July? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, if Nebraska is going to make a move right now, I don't know what Trev's, uh, you know, coaching and athletic director tree looks like, but I would rather have him established in that chair, making a move with what he has studied, researched, and the connections that he has had time to make, instead of going out 
and hiring some search firm that's going to go, okay, who's available, who's interested in Nebraska, and let's bring this dating pool to you and then see which way you want to swipe, right? This gives Trav, and I said this on Monday, time to establish relationships, to really study the landscape and see what it might look like in 2022 as opposed to doing it after just four months. So to me, uh, it was a wise move to extend Scott, and we're going to see where we are basically at October 1 next year. That's the main thing. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You can find Bill on Twitter, at Bill Dolman, NBC Sports. That's fair. You've got six games. You have a bye week, and then you close with Michigan and Minnesota and Wisconsin and Purdue and Illinois and Iowa. Your crossover is Michigan and Rutgers and Indiana. Those are the three. You get Storm and Norman in Lincoln this year, and you've got a long – Hold on, hold on. Go hold ahead. On. What are the crossover games next year? <laughs> Rutgers, Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan. Michigan. Right. Okay. They're not Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, I think I think the slate is a little more user friendly next year. So maybe the metric is higher. You know, maybe maybe if if Scott's looking at the same schedule next year as he's looking at this year, maybe Trev says six, seven wins. Maybe now Trev is saying, all right, Scott. It's seven, eight wins. I don't think they're going to touch nine. You got to win seven, eight games next year with that schedule that you have. Because as I said last week or two weeks ago, how many other coaches in the country have Nebraska's schedule are going to have won seven games this year? Probably not very many. Mm-hmm. And with what the first buy coming after week eight, something like that. I mean, Nebraska's had a really brutal schedule this year with a fairly young roster. I'm not making a ton of excuses for Scott. It should be better, right? But it's been a brutal schedule. Next year's should be more user-friendly, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who your coordinators and everything you know, are going to be. But I look at seven, eight wins next year, and, and again, I'm looking at the landscape right now. We know the jobs that are open. USC has been open forever. How long do you think they've been laying the groundwork for James Franklin, Mario Cristobal, uh, Urban Meyer, right? Mm-hmm. TCU didn't fire Gary Patterson without a plan already in place. LSU has been laying the groundwork for maybe Dave Aranda to come back as an assistant as their B candidate, but Jimbo Fisher, Mel Tucker, there are a lot of programs that have already hit the ground running and are trying to figure out who is my home run hire? Meanwhile, Michigan State just today has announced that they've gotten some type of new deal in place for Mel Tucker. They've been laying the groundwork because they know there's a possibility of a change. Penn State knows there's a possibility of a change. Or knows that there's a possibility of a change. There's a ton of jobs that are going to come open, too. Maybe Florida. You know, Texas A&M might come open. For Nebraska to make a move right now, I just don't think it's prudent given the way – given the head start that everybody else has. That's a lot of potential jobs that are open. That's also a lot of potential assistants that may go with their their current head coach to a better spot or or be left behind because uh, whoever's going to LSU is going to bring 
their vision down to the bayou. Same with SC. If Oregon opens up, right, or say Penn State's all of a sudden available, Cincinnati could be in play depending on what Fickle wants to do because, you know, people are knocking on his door. So Nebraska's further down that line uh, with maybe a Baylor opening as well. I mean, so your point's well taken, but there's a there's a lot of dudes out there that are either already released, it didn't work, it didn't fit, maybe a change of scenery is good for them. And we were talking about this yesterday with Searles. You have a certain style you've recruited to with your offense. Now, we can scream about lack of identity, but you've got a certain body type and athleticism you've wanted on the offensive line and at the skill spots, that there, there still needs to be some refinement. There still needs to be the ability to run the football when they know you're going to run it, Bill. But what do you foresee here uh, with, with the offensive coordinator? Is, is he going to be able to, 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 to bring in what he wants at running back at O-line? Or is that still going to be Scott's call with this, uh, with this puzzle? Is it the OC well, making the call, or is it Scott making the call in conjunction with the OC? I think that's the, I think that's the, the, the latter. I don't think you're going to give complete autonomy on personnel and everything to an offensive coordinator if you're the head coach. I don't think we're looking at you know, Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden in the, the latter stages of their coaching careers where it was like, just, just go wear the hat or – you know, the, the high water pants and everybody knows that you're the head coach, but you really, we're not letting you touch anything. Okay. Don't touch the remote grandpa. Uh, you know, Scott, Scott is not going to, you know, give seed everything over to an offensive coordinator. That's not going to happen. And I've been reading, you know, for better or, or no, it's for worse. You know, I, I'm in a couple of these Husker uh, Facebook pages or groups or message boards, and I look at these things, and, you know, there are a lot. The, the athletic director, you know, from uh, Schuyler, from Shickley, from Burwell, from uh, Federal Heights, Washington, all these athletic directors that are on these message boards and Facebook pages, I mean, it's unbelievable the people that they have. List. It's like going back to when the four year case of the flu made his uh, ill advised moves. Um, you know, we were going to get Bill Parcells, and he was going to probably be able to entice Bill Belichick to come back to Nebraska to be a defensive coordinator. Well, sure. You know, all these, all these coaches that we were going to have, and now, now all of these uh, amateur athletic directors out there are throwing these names around as to who the new. I've seen Gary Patterson should be the new offensive coordinator at Nebraska. Gary Patterson is a defensive coach and has been for 40 years. <laughs> but let's bring in Gary Patterson to be the offensive coordinator at Nebraska. Rich Rodriguez, I don't think, has coached in five years. Uh, Tom Herman didn't just get fired at Texas because they don't like not winning nine games. <laughs> There's a lot of underlying issues to some of the reasons why some of these guys aren't employed anymore other than the fact they got $6 million to walk away. So there's all these names and all these ideas and all of these things that are getting thrown out there by people on message boards, and they, people just run it and take it as gospel. Well, you Bill, don't know. Bill, what, what is your take here, though, with, with the offensive coordinator? Do you think Scott should bring in somebody onto his staff that has previous head coaching experience? Uh, when you contrast that guy with, uh, with a guy like Scott who didn't have much head coaching experience, do you think it would be uh, an advantage to him to bring in somebody with head coaching experience, or do you think you want to bring in one of the young guns uh, that can maybe meld with his offense a little bit more and one of the, the up-and-comers in the business? 
my, I think if you have somebody that has some high-level experience, whether it's being a long-time coordinator or whether it is somebody who has been a head coach, but it's got to be somebody that you can trust and have chemistry with, uh, you know, I, I think that benefits. And I think any you know, coach who's had some experience over the years is going to look at this Nebraska situation in totality and go, that's a pretty good gig. You know, they've got money, they've got passion, people care, they've got facilities. Nebraska has everything, they just don't have a lot of wins, right, over the last however many years. So I think, I've said this many times, Nebraska is still going to be attractive to somebody. They're going to pay a lot of money, more than a lot of these other jobs that are open. So, yeah, it's an attractive job. But Scott's got to have somebody that he's comfortable with, that he trusts, that there's chemistry. Whether that was there with Lubick, I don't know. But uh, I think... If you can find a coordinator with that kind of high-level experience, and I know that leads to Mark Helfrick. I know that Tom Herman's name is out there, and I'm telling you, you got to know some of the underlying issues with some people. But, and I think some of these other offensive or assistant jobs, maybe you do you know, bring in somebody who's a little younger. And young is a relative term now. It could be 30s, could be 40s. Mm-hmm. But you bring somebody in and make it it's, it's their next opportunity uh, on their coaching path. But sure, it'd be, it would be great to have a coordinator that has high-level experience, but I really believe it's got to be somebody who knows how to you know, coordinate running the football, mm-hmm. understands the Big Ten, and understands you know, how important it, it is in developing an offensive line in this conference. I still think Nebraska's got a line that fits the suits. You know, guys that are, that are Husky, shopping in the Husky department at Miller & Payne, but is this an offensive line that has been coached to perform in the Big Ten? And I don't think we have seen that necessarily. Bill, a couple of minutes uh, while, while we're talking additions to the staff, would it would it behoove Scott to get a concierge? I mean, uh, you had Tom Hayden and the Godfather. Tony Soprano had Silvio Dante. Would it make sense to hire a... A, a voice of reason and an older voice of reason that's about seen about everything and anything in college football. Would that make sense for the staff? I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's that's a, that's a good question. But you know, I, I think about the move that was made prior to the start of the season with uh, you know Jared Lambert getting a great opportunity two weeks before the season began. <laughs> uh, do you do you bring in somebody? I don't know. I I actually believe that he kind of has that with Trev, to be honest okay. with you. Already got it. Okay. You know, Trev understands Nebraska. He understands the landscape of college football. He's generationally, you know, closer uh, to Scott and to what's going on um, in the culture of college sports. You know, I, I, I think Bill Moose served his purpose. But it's time for Bill to retire to the ranch, which Nebraska put him out faster, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, based on what we all read and hear about the growing relationship between Trev and, and Scott, uh, I, I tend to think that that's probably a pretty healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Trev's got a lot on his plate with everybody else. Uh, good Lord, we're losing to Western Illinois in men's basketball. Uh, I don't think Fred's in the hot seat, though. Um, but I, 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 I bet that that's probably a pretty healthy AD college football coach relationship right now. It's probably not Bob and Devaney and Tom Osborne, but it, I think it's probably a, a healthy relationship for Scott to have at this stage of his career. Somebody that understands his job, his place of employment, mm-hmm. and uh, where this program needs to go. So I, I, I don't necessarily 
Although, if you can bring in Robert Duvall, that that or that'd probably be a pretty good, pretty cool thing. Bill, ten seconds less than. Give me a prediction, Huskers in uh, in Sam Houston State. Well, I thought you were going to talk about a prediction for this weekend in football. I think Nebraska's got an excellent chance uh, to win its second consecutive game over bye. Uh-huh. And uh, Nebraska better beat Sam Houston State by 40 tonight after what happened uh, the other day and seeing how competitive college basketball is in its first week. Ask Arizona State. Mm. Bill, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time, bud. All right. Uh, go Big Red. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Working through a Friday, don't forget, weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio tomorrow morning. Mark Cranach, myself, are you in tomorrow? Elijah Herbal in for the Saturday morning edition. Elijah Herbal is like... Yeah, might as well just. Uh, I, I had to beat the bye week blues somehow. They, like this week hasn't really felt like a, a normal bye week. No, but, it's uh, been freaking crazy. But the blues are setting in today, knowing like, oh, there's no game tomorrow. No, but there's a lot of good ball games. We'll preview in about ten to fifteen minutes with the Friday forecast. Pick sure to go wrong with uh, our friend that's well imaginary, and he wears red, Clasburn. Um. Jimbo emails in, can do so, chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, he's like, uh, you know what, Frost needs an OC that knows how to fix the offense when all the leagues make their adjustments. It's a good take. Because you've seen either the the start of games, oh, crap. (laughs) Uh, We don't know how to get any yards against what we're seeing, even if we prepared for it, or at halftime, the faucet or the the bartender cuts you off, and you're you're scoreless. And you you saw a couple instances of that, right? Where Minnesota was no good, and then you were rolling in the second half. You just couldn't score, and you had a chance to put up twenty four first half points. You got seventeen against Purdue, and then nada, right? So uh, two halves of football, right? Uh, it's about making those adjustments. Anyone can draw plays. How do you fix the offense when someone comes out and runs something you weren't expecting? See Illinois. Amen, Jimbo. Thanks for the email, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Well, to me, that underscores the importance of a running game. To be able to just go out there and, oh, they came out in a a 3-4 instead of a 4-3. Good thing that we just have an offensive line that can get four yards of movement every single play, and it doesn't matter where you line up. You know, and and I'll say this, and, and I know he's limited in talent, down there but one game during the damned quarantine that i just sat and watched from beginning to end as it you know got out of hand was oklahoma kansas Mm. and i look at lance leopold and uh, coach l really and and listen he's limited right he's limited with there's one dude that's they're running back at, at ku that's a lawrence kid and I'm sure there's some remnants of what the Mad Hatter brought you. Who knows if they'd have... But I thought KU's O-line was pretty physical. I mean, they were playing up to OU. OU was totally sleepwalking. Didn't care. Didn't respect the opponent. And we're down. Then they woke up and and lit a fire. And then they won by 13. Didn't cover the 1,000-point line. But the point is, is, you know, Leopold against that Oklahoma front, you know, that OU front did against Nebraska. And Adrian had a good game against Oklahoma. There was times where he had 
plenty of time to step up in the pocket and make throws or scramble a little bit. So Adrian was fine against OU. But what KU did is they, they'd move their pocket. And it was, it was simple. I mean, it almost reminded me of Sean Watson, except it was out of the pistol, where they'd move their quarterback and they'd have a guy coming across the middle and they'd have a tight end just leak out in the flat and just a short five-yard pass. Uh, there's enough cushion where there's another five yards before anyone touches you, and then you break a tackle, and a, a four-yard completion turns into a 17-yard gain, and you're at midfield. Just, just something like that, right? And there were some times here the last couple of years with with Lubick when Nebraska would run pistol and two tight end, they'd run a little stretch. At times, their run game could look look really good. But it's about consistency, and that's something that is, is still MIA with this offense. And I think a new OC, and we'll bat around some of the names tomorrow with Cranach, but... We'll see if um, if Pete's is a is an option from LSU, but more more than Pete's, get me an O line coach. More than Pete's or an O line coach, get me an offensive coordinator that runs the triple option. You so you're you're all in on going back to the option, not fully, but I think whenever you saw it sprinkled in this year, I, I want an offensive coordinator that understands that. Yeah, I mean, uh, a triple option is a great way to be able to to mask some of your deficiencies on offense. I think we saw that this year where it. Uh, it makes the defense play just about perfect every single snap that you do run that triple option, and it gives them something to think about. I, I like having it as an option. I like having it uh, used more prominently than it was this year even. Agreed, but you'll agree, I think, that you need a couple of options at quarterback. Yes. Because one of your quarterbacks ain't going to make it through. Mm-hmm. And case in point, the option isn't that awesome when your quarterback isn't running. <laughs> Defeats the option. <laughs> I mean, ah, oh, sweet, we'll pitch it. Here you go, Ramirez. Because our guy's got a busted jaw and a bad wheel. Okay, uh, let's get into some Hoiberg audio here as uh, Nebraska is set to tip off here in a couple hours against Sam Houston State. And uh, more from Hoiberg as he uh, met the media yesterday. And, you know, he, just from a body language and a tone standpoint, I, I think, and Jacob Padilla nailed it an hour ago, We'll be able to learn a ton about this basketball team with how they bounce back. Are they going to stop me if you've heard this before? Do the little things. Get gritty. Be tough. Be physical. Here's the the mayor on tonight's matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been two tough physical days of practice after a long film session on um, on Wednesday morning. So hopefully our guys carry that over the game. We're going to have to. We're playing a very physical team. Tomorrow, uh, they hang their hat on toughness. They had 27 offensive rebounds last night in their opener. And, you know, this team will play as hard as any team we play all year. And we have to be ready for it, obviously, uh, with what's happened to us early on in the season, especially in the opener. Uh, you know, for 16 minutes, we rebounded the ball well. I think we gave up four offensive rebounds in the first 16 minutes. And then the floodgates opened. They got eight to end the half, really set the tone, took the momentum into the second half. And then we couldn't make the right plays uh, down the stretch. We had opportunity uh, to finish it off. Um, Unfortunately, after shooting very well from the line most of the game, uh, we make our free throws, we win that thing. And then we learn from a win as opposed to learning from a very tough uh, defeat. So just got to put it behind us. Have to do that. Can't carry a hangover into the game. Tomorrow, uh, I've got great respect for uh, Coach Wooten and how he approaches it and the toughness that he instills in his players. And we've got to come out and make sure uh, that we don't get outmatched from a physical standpoint. And that's been the big emphasis the last two days. 
I'd love to know what they did to to crank up the physicality and intensity. I mean, do you have the mats out? Are you beating the hell out of the kids? Not viciously, but just are you making it more physical with pads and pushing and leaning and some swipes? You, like you, like it's almost an MMA workout. Do you bring in uh, Brant Banks back from the football team and just let him block some guys down low, see what happens, well, see how they respond? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'd be okay. More from Hoiberg here. The response part here, the leadership. You've got a new team together, but you've got guys that have played ball. You've got a really nice le- leader in, in Trey McGowan's, right? So his voice is uh, uber important, but these guys needed to, to kind of step up and shake off the loss and learn from it. Coach Hoiberg comments here on how that leadership has stepped forward here the last two days after the embarrassment. It's been good, you know, and it has to be. It has to pick up on the floor uh, when things aren't going well out there. they got to be able to come together and talk to each other and, and figure things out. Um, and the last two days I've been very pleased with that. Lat and Kobe were back on the practice floor today. Uh, hopefully we'll have them available in, in, in uniform tomorrow, depending on how they respond uh, to a tough day of practice. So offensively, and this was Jacob's question to Fred, you know, what were your takeaways on the offensive end? What would you walk away from from Wednesday that you, you want to see different or changed tonight against Sam Houston State? They're going to pressure. They're going to be physical. Uh, they're going to be in your hip pocket from from end from end line to end line. They're going to pressure. So turnovers are key. Rebounding ski. Smart shots, ball movement, all that. I mean, it's going to be the same script all year. But uh, when it comes to the offensive end here, more from Hoiberg on what needs to happen tonight. Well, obviously, we've got to move the ball. That's uh, the, the team that, you know, was out there, especially in that first half. You know, we just I hadn't seen that all year. And then the lights turn on when we just tried to do things differently. And obviously, that's a message uh, you try to take to your players is once you start playing, you just have to fall back on your habits and everything that you've worked on. We went away from that. Uh, we had one assist in the first half. You know, second half, even though it wasn't exactly how we wanted it you know we still scored 42 points and I think shot 47 percent but you know we got to get that thing moving we got to set the tone early with uh, with much better movement ball movement player movement here's another important facet how's the team take the old Nick Saban chewing not red man not beach nut but I'm sure the, the the tone and volume and frustration level was not good. I'm sure Fred probably, Fred's calm and cool and collected, great teacher, stand-up dude. But he probably was really pissed and probably yelled and said some unpleasant things during film session. How do you take getting reamed or yelled at or maybe he didn't go that route. Maybe he was just, you know, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. I mean, maybe it's one of those, maybe it's one of those fatherly discussion you know i'm not mad at you i'm just disappointed where it just gets you but here's hoiberg about the team being able to take corrections in film session all i can talk about is their attitude on the floor after we went out after the film session and you know we always talk about this isn't personal Uh, you know the film doesn't lie uh, but it's all about correcting and it's all about getting better you can't go out there if you take it personal 
um, you know, you don't have the right team in place. You got to have a group of guys that understand everything in those film sessions is about improving and getting better. And the mentality of our players the last two days has been very good. They understand it. You know, they were embarrassed. I think how we got manhandled, all of us are, how we got manhandled on the boards. And, you know, we got to correct it. If not, it's going to be a very long season. It's still a disappointed tone. Have you seen that guy though on Twitter that goes and does the like the NFL and the college football film rooms where he like puts on all the team gear and pretends he's in a film room playing back? The, oh, I'll have to send you one. It's okay. hilarious. Because right, it? it totally reminds me of where it's not personal, but it's personal. Where he just goes and makes it personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. The best thing I've seen from from Junior is, and I don't have TikTok, but Carson has some guy who sounds like a big time play by play guy. And he jumps on a microphone and there's footage of some NFL or high school or sumo or whatever. And it's play by play. And it's all these expletives. Yes, my 15-year-old's watching (laughs) expletives. So we'll be sitting here. We'll be sitting at the the kitchen island, mom and me and and junior. And we'll have dinner and all of a sudden you'll have it on and... Some some naughty catchphrase will be dropped during play by play, and there's soda coming out our nose. Friday forecast on the way. It's Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. You know, this is the first Friday we've been in studio in like a hundred weeks. It's weird. But uh, back at the Single Barrel Tuesday for Nebraska, Creighton, come see us before tip-off. Get a steak, get a whiskey, get a beer, and uh, eat some bird. Kidding. Uh, get a steak, get some pork chops, do your thing. Do we have Clausburn? We have him, yes. We uh, welcome in. He's imaginary and he wears red. We say hi to Clausburn for the forecast. Claus, how you doing this week? Well, I'm doing okay. I'm very grateful to be here. I thought the way things went this week, considering my knowledge of offensive football, I might have been tossed to the curb as well, but uh, <laughs> I was very glad when my phone rang and it was Elijah and not someone selling me a car warranty, so... Happy to be here. Well, let's get the uh, forecast underway. Pretty good weekend of ball games. And we'll start off in Unhappy Valley, Michigan. This line has done a 180 from uh, Penn State minus one and a half to now Michigan minus one and a half. I'll I'll jump into the pool here first. And I think just from a, a turnover standpoint, that's what killed Michigan against Sparty. They're up 33-30, four minutes, four-minute offense. They're driving, mesh point, mishap, fumble at the 50. Sparty wins. Well, I think Michigan will learn from that. McNamara's played well. He's not He's not going to go win it for you throwing, but he's not a liability anymore. And I think the, uh, the one-two punch it back, running back is too good. Penn State's good defense. Uh, and... I just think Michigan's defense will be the difference uh, against Clifford, the big red dog, uh, with his turnover problems in big games. Give me Michigan uh, 31, Penn State uh, 27, the win and cover for Michigan. Elijah. Yeah, I'm with you, especially when you talk about Clifford's turnover problems in big moments. I think that's going to rear its ugly head tomorrow. 
Uh, Penn State, they're good. They're not great. I think this Michigan team is great. Uh, and I think their uh, their defense is what's really going to uh, get the job done tomorrow. I think that Michigan gets this game 27-17. Win and cover for Michigan. Big time. Claus, what do you see here? Michigan's, Michigan or Penn State? Well, I was a little confused by the line. Uh, when you sent it to me, I figured Michigan would be favored by a little more. I think they're a pretty good team. Seen them play a number of times this year, but... I'll admit I haven't seen much Penn State football. I really only tuned in at the end of regulation of their game against Illinois. And after about four overtimes, what I was seeing was so heinous and disgusting, I made like a Penn State administrator and looked the other way. So wow. I missed the rest of it. So it could be that they're very good, but I don't think this line is indicative of what's going to happen. Michigan for the win and the cover, 31-17. to 17. Let's go to Oklahoma, Baylor. We're just going to look the other way on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma and Baylor. Suitors minus five and a half. Dave Aranda's got Baylor playing good ball. They did drop one last week. Suitors still unbeaten, fighting for the playoffs. I think they're eighth or ninth in the ratings. And uh, you know what? I think, uh, I think Baylor's just going to find a way. I think Baylor's going to find a way at least to cover. Before you go all eye roll on me, Elijah. Uh, I think Oklahoma wins, but I think Baylor covers. This one's tight. 35-31. OU the win. Baylor the cover. Elijah. Okay, I was rolling my eyes because I thought you were going to steal my pick here. This is my upset pick of the week. I think Oklahoma is due for a loss. They've been pulling out a ton of close wins. Uh, but the college football committee has it right, I think. I think they're a good team, but not great. Eight sounds about right in the nation. Uh, so I'm going to take Baylor in this one outright 34-31 to 31 over Oklahoma because I just think Oklahoma's due to slip up. Uh, Claus, what do you say here, Baylor or Oklahoma? Well, I don't think Oklahoma's had quite the year that they expected. Obviously still undefeated, but haven't played particularly well. I saw Oklahoma fans discussing a rumor that their coach had skipped practice and gone to Baton Rouge to discuss the upcoming job there. They seem pretty excited about it, and far be it for me, especially me, to tell Oklahoma what to do, but... Coming from a guy whose team fired O'Reilly and went after their former coach, which they suggest, or rather their former quarterback, who was recently at UCF, to come back and coach, I think maybe they ought to pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> but I think Oklahoma is due for a loss. I agree with Elijah, which makes me think maybe this is probably not a good idea either. But I'll take Baylor, 31, and Oklahoma, 27. Hey, I picked Purdue over Michigan State last week, and you guys called me crazy. So. We, d- we did. We did. Well, does Purdue keep banging that big old drum with uh, Purdue Pete, the crazy mascot, minus 21? Ohio State favorite at home. I'll say this. Ohio State secondary can be had. Purdue's playing good ball, and they play great ball against the Giants. Uh, they don't get the trifecta here with the upset, but they cover. And that Brom train may be leaving for Gainesville. And this could uh, help make that a reality if you go play with Ohio State. Purdue loses, but Ohio State uh, does not cover the 21. Uh, I think this thing's going to be a lot of scoring. Give me the Buckeyes 45 and give me Purdue uh 
We'll say 35. 10-point win for the Buckeyes, but Purdue makes some sweat. Elijah, what do you say? Purdue's good for an upset every single year. Uh, this year they have two. I don't think it's in the realm of possibility that they get three. I think Ohio State gets a couple turnovers in the first half. Uh, they generate a couple, I should say. And Ohio State gets a big win at home uh, to rebound after what was a little bit of a disappointing result, a little close against Nebraska last week. So I got Ohio State big, 42-10 to 10 over Purdue. Claus, what do you say here? Purdue or Ohio State, minus 21. Well, listen, Elijah, I want to say I give you a hard time every week, but let's rewind about a week ago. And other than me saying JoJo Doman would have a good game, I was wrong about literally everything I said. Every game, wrong. I have not been that wrong since last time Nancy asked me where I wanted to go for dinner. So (laughs) I really probably owe you a steak and a bourbon at the single barrel as well. I'll take Oklahoma, or rather Ohio State. See, I'm even getting the name of the team wrong. <laughs> I'll take Ohio State in this one, 42, and Purdue 24. All right, the uh, Boilers cover. Minnesota is in Iowa about a minute here till break. Hawkeyes minus five. Minnesota, man, uh, just a tough one last week. Iowa looked good, changed quarterbacks. Got it done against Northwestern. I think Minnesota goes into Iowa City and wins outright. Uh, I'll take the five and don't need it, frankly. I think Fleck will uh, get the guy, get the guys uh, able to bounce back. Uh, 28-21, Minnesota the win. Elijah. Yeah, uh, this Iowa team, Petrus is not good enough, uh, I don't think. And you know that this uh, this Iowa team has been down on their luck in recent weeks. So I have uh, Minnesota to cover. I don't think I have Minnesota to win, uh, but I'll take Minnesota to cover 21-17, a four-point loss for Minnesota. But Iowa wins, does not cover. Claus, what do you say here, Minnesota or Iowa? This is the uh, for the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale, is it not? It is the pig. The big pig. Well, I hope for Iowa's sake they win it so that they've got something pretty to think about Saturday night when they're trying to make snuggle time with their Iowa-born girlfriends. So <laughs> I'll take the Hawkeyes in this one, 28, and Minnesota 21. Claus, you got a couple minutes uh, left in you. We have one more. That's A&M and Ole Miss. You want to do a bonus pick? Well, I, I suppose that'll be okay. Well, hang on, Claus. Uh, forecast will wrap up here. We'll wind down to Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday, we'll get you ready for Wisconsin week. Next week on Hale Varsity, weekend edition tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Myself, Cranack, and Elijah. Clausburn's back with us to wind down the forecast. What's left is going to be the game under the lights in, uh, in Isaiah's favorite place on earth. Uh, the Grove. Not the bar, but the the place you go tailgating southern in, 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 in Ole Miss. It's pretty much a bar. It's like an outdoor bar. It is, with, with tents. Difference between the Grove and the Royal Grove. There is. The Royal Grove? You never been? No. Okay. That's my wife about it. Uh, Claus, you ready for this one? AM minus two and a half against Ole Miss. I'll start. I think AM's defense will keep it tight. I think uh, Coral's the difference. Obvious, but rea- a reality. 
with his run pass option, and it's a home game at night for uh, Lane and his visor. Give me Ole Miss to win by a field goal, uh, 30-27. to 27. Elijah, you going with your Ole Miss crew? I think I got to go with Ole Miss here. It's the magic of the Grove. Hemingway Stadium is going to be rocking down in Oxford. Uh, so I, I think that is going to carry Ole Miss to a victory here. A&M, I do agree, will probably keep it close. Uh, but I don't think any defense in this country, uh, like I said, from Alabama that one time, is good enough to really keep this Ole Miss defense down, or this Ole Miss offense down, I should say. Uh, so I got a lot of points being scored. Give me Ole Miss 38, Texas A&M 31. Ole Miss gets the win, and I guess that is an outright victory. So. Claus, you uh, you been to Oxford? Uh, well, I've uh, been to uh, J.C. Penney and purchased some Oxfords, and it did not go well, which is why I've ended up at Gary's place quite often. <laughs> nice. What do you think here? Yeah, you going Ole Miss or A and M? Well, listen, I, I uh, well, listeners may not know, I spent quite a bit of time down in Texas. Uh, mostly for Lone Star Beer and Bob Wills music, uh, but also to get a little college football insight. And there's a big fear here in the Lone Star State that uh, Jimbo Fisher may be getting ready to start eating gumbo, lacing up his Nikes, and heading over to Baton Rouge to be the new head coach of the Tigers. Now, I think being in College Station, he's got a really good deal, and I think he'll stay. Of course, that means he could end up eating some applesauce, lacing up his Nikes, and heading to the UFO that's following closely behind the Hale-Bopp Comet. (laughs) But I think he's got a pretty sweet deal. They really don't have to do much besides beat Alabama every so often, and they'll be ranked in the top ten. With that said, I think this weekend's not going to go so well for him. I think Ole Miss has a better offense. I think A&M is uh, finally going to come back down to earth. They couldn't even beat Mississippi State, so why would they beat regular Mississippi? I'll take the Rebels, or whatever they want to call themselves now, (laughs) 38 and A&M, 31. Seven-point win for Lane. Claus, behave yourself this weekend. We'll uh, get you ready with with, uh, some whiskey next week. Okay. There he is. Got to love him. Clausburn. He is uh, imaginary, and he wears red. There we have it. Forecast is done tomorrow. The weekend edition, 7 to 9 a.m. Myself, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Check the podcast out, hailvarsity.com. And for the local listeners, Real Football Show is coming up next. They are down at Captain Jack's Go See Animal and the Crew.